Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Funky Brain Podcast. And my name is Dennis, and this is my Funky Brain. We're going to have a good chat today. Um, our guest today, he's joining us from Canada, and he's an infantry veteran with a UN peacekeeping tour of Croatia during the genocide. But after suffering from undiagnosed PTSD for over 20 years, he finally reached out for help. Soon after, he became involved in peer support and became a peer support facilitator and wanted to share the healing power of peer support with a greater audience, Mark created Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And his podcast is helpful for anyone suffering from PTSD, but it's tailored specifically to veterans, first responders, and their families. Mr. Mark Meinke, how are you doing today, sir? Hello, Dennis. Thanks for having me on, Funky Man. Appreciate it. And how's 2020 going for you now that we're nearing the end? Are you hanging in there? Well, you know, uh, I believe in Stoicism and, and a lot of the different tenets of Stoicism. And right now, uh, with uh, 2020, the thing that's getting me through the most is Amor Fati, which is love your fate. So instead of worrying about what's happening um, and, and all the theories about what might may be happening with this COVID and, and everything else and uh, your election down there, which is nuts, um, instead of worrying about what it, it may be, loving whatever it could be and mm. just... It's going to be what it's going to be. So I'm, I'm trying to switch into the observer position. So it's like I'm watching a movie, The Big Bowl of Popcorn is the image that I have in my head. I was like, oh, this is an interesting show. <laughs> you know, yeah. are there going to be mandatory vaccines that, or not? Instead of it affecting me directly, I'm just like, oh, this is interesting. You know, it's like a game of, or an episode of Designated Survivor. You don't know what the hell is going to happen. And that's, that's how I'm looking at it right now. Because without that little bit of detachment, um, there's a lot of people that are going through a whole lot of stress and anxiety and worry because they're living in an uncertain future instead of in their right now. They're not in their present moment. And I, we're all guilty of that if we're not mindful. So I'm focusing on being in that observer position with a bowl of popcorn and uh, loving my fate. That's such a great perspective, and I couldn't agree more. And I think it is just a one big show. So what's your role in that show? Like you have a way to... That's something I've got to be um, so conscious of too, because uh, being the founder of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast, I have uh, some loyal listeners that are leaning on me for comfort and wisdom and recovery. And yet I keep straying into politics <laughs> Ooh, <yeah. laughs> on my social media posts and whatnot. Um, I called a friend of mine who's also a mental health advocate and, um, and recovery coach for addictions actually. Um, and I, I, I called him up and I said, Hey man, need your advice. I see on social media that you're doing something that I used to do years ago, which is what you're wading into, um, what you feel is, uh, Im important political conversation, um, whether it's about uh, uh, the COVID vaccines or the lockdowns and the efficacy of masks, whatever it may be, um, you have some concerns and you're, and you're sharing those concerns. But it, being that those concerns are off-brand, are you damaging your brand and weakening your message by doing it? Mm. And um, when I heard myself asking the question, I was kind of answering my own question by asking the question. It's like, yeah, yeah I am. <laughs> I'm doing it again. 
again, when I was a real estate agent, I was wading into whatever the topic was at the time that I was very certain was very, very important. And I don't even remember what it was now. But um, the more I, I focused on that, I was destroying my uh, my real estate brand. And well, you know, that's that that's one thing your career but uh what's much more important is what you and you do and i do which is helping people out of a deep dark hole and providing a beacon of light and when i'm straying into these other lanes uh because it's so important and it probably is important but why does it have to be me it doesn't have to be me it's like putting a, a lampshade over that beacon and it's tainting it. And you're also cutting down your audience. Uh, you're, you're cutting it in half or less, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and that's what you do and what I do isn't for Democrats or Republicans or conservatives or, or libertarians, or it's for everybody. And we don't give a rat's ass how somebody votes. We care about whether or not you're injured, whether or not you're addicted, whether or not you're suffering, whether or not you're in pain. That's what you care about. That's what I care about. So when we start squawking about our uh, political beliefs and, and expressing our concerns about what's coming, other people are doing that and doing a better job of it than you and I could because that's what they specialize in. I'm just going to keep letting them do it. Well, and you said an important word earlier, and that's mindful. You know, am I, am, am I being mindful with my actions and my words, my thoughts? Am I being mindful with my thoughts or am I letting them go astray? thus the funky brain podcast so my job is to, to reel those thoughts in and focus on like you said the ball keep my eye on the ball so has that been the case for you have you seen a lot of addiction and a lot of outside problems related to the trauma of the ptsd the root of all addictions that i've had like double doctor rub kelly because he's got two doctorates um the number one the addiction isn't he awesome precious guy ever you know um, I've had all kinds of doctors on, on my show and they all agree with the same thing that the root of all addiction, it's not the drinking, it's not the drugs. That's the problem. It's the reason you're taking them, which is a traumatic event or series of traumatic events from your past. It trauma is the common denominator. It is what it all boils down to. If you don't treat the trauma, you're always going to be an addict. You have to, and the more you treat the trauma, the the more of a fighting chance you have about getting rid of the um, uh, the destructive behaviors in your life. And it doesn't have to be substance. I was a sex addict for a while, a long while. <laughs> and uh, it was the only place where I could feel a sense of affirmation and value and felt like I mattered. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's whatever relieves the pain. But why did I need that? Well, that's because of, previous trauma, you know, um, not just combat. And that's the other thing that um, uh, you were comparing uh, or mentioning different modalities of trauma. What I would like to really hammer home for everybody who isn't a combat veteran is that my trauma is no greater than yours. Uh, the modality of trauma is, re is irrelevant. It doesn't matter because the symptoms are the same. Um, whether it is sexual trauma, trauma from neglect from your parents, whatever it is, being married to a narcissist, <laughs> what, what, whatever the trauma was for you, it's no less than being a combat veteran. It's just a different modality. Came from a different place in different doses. That's all. A lot of people tend to trivialize what they've gone through. Police say, well, 
you know, yeah, I've seen some shit, but it was nothing like, I mean, you were in a war. I'm like, no, man, that's, that's <laughs> mine isn't worse than yours. It's not the trauma Olympics. There's no medal that anybody wants to get at the end of this. You know, there's no prize. And if there was, you wouldn't want it. The only question you have to ask is, am I injured? Am I not injured? And that's it. And it doesn't matter if in your mind, it was an itty bitty little trauma that caused the injury. Well, there's no such thing. It's because it's all relevant and it's rarely one event. It's usually a whole series of previous events that may not have even been on your radar. And then that one event was the tipping point. It was the straw that broke the camel's back, proverbially, proverbial, proverbial, proverbially. <laughs> That's a tough hey, we word. We use big words here on the Funky Brain Podcast. Dennis, uh, words are hard. <laughs> Some words are hard. Word. That's like a SAT word. That is. Like that, don't, don't ask me to spell it for the love of God. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, that's really important. You know, I like I get into when we talk about me. So my background was addiction recovery. A lot of my trauma was self-induced, but it was trauma. And I have <laughs> women that I work with that were brutally raped. And it took me a long time to really, because I, I hadn't had experience with that. And that's really dramatic too. And some of that is a little more, it goes way in, deeper. And to me, um, I've had to learn when I'm talking with people that have had deep trauma like that, to let them sit in that space. Like if they feel uncomfortable and they're overwhelmed and don't know what to do right now, I used to push harder as a coach. Like, let's try to get that out. Let's dig it out. Let's feel it. Let's work with it. And now sometimes we have to sit because I don't like that trauma. It goes deep. So what are some of the tools that you, when you're working with somebody and they're overwhelmed or feeling that, um, that grief, that suffering that they're feeling from decades ago, that trauma, how do we approach that? Well, first of all, it is very taxing when I do the in-person peer support and I was running the group for a while that we have in my area and I've been stepping back more and more. And with the COVID it's, it switched to zoom, which makes it a little bit less taxing, but I haven't been hosting it. I've just been co-hosting and or participating in it. And I'm, I'm putting all my focus into Tango Romeo because I can do it consistently and I can do it um, sustainably without self-harm. Uh, when I get right into the weeds with uh, some of the trauma of the others, some of the stories that are told to me affect me too deeply. I just can't do it. So when I am working with somebody, I let therapists do that part. And I focus on what a coach I believe should focus on, which is a constructive versus destructive thoughts. What's working for you? What's not working for you? If they're railing about their ex-spouse, I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. These things you're saying, are they're valid and you feel how you feel. But geez, that's all you ever talk about. How is that helping you? Where else should we be putting our focus? And then once I get them to uh, self-discovery, and that's really the key, because you, you can't tell anybody anything. They'll just argue with you or disagree. They have to say it. People don't argue with their own data. So when I can get somebody to self-discovery of their destructive thoughts, habits, viewpoints, and to see that it is not helpful, then why are you hanging on to it? If you're hanging on to it, then you're addicted to the victim mentality, or you just weren't aware that you're hanging on to it. 
It's one of those two. Both are bad. Both are not healthy. So which one is it? Are you committed to being a victim or are you committed to recovery? Pick. And you have to pick because it really is a binary question. Are you committed to being a victim or are you committed to recovery? Because right now you're committed to being a victim whether you can see it or not. And if you can't, I can't help you. I can't work with you. Because you're already committed to, to uh, self-destruction. Oh, okay. You want to be committed to, to feeling better? You're sick and tired of being sick and tired? I can help you then. We have to work on the mindfulness. This is something that you acknowledge and you set aside. What you focus on are the healthy habits, the healthy frameworks. And that I can work with people. But I can't get into the weeds with their stories of trauma. Just like we don't ever do what we call war porn uh, in the peer support groups. What we care about is stories like, yeah, my anger got the best of me again yesterday. I had a road rage. I gave somebody the finger, and I think it was a 90-year-old grandma, but I gave her the finger anyway. <laughs> you know, um, stories like that. And it's like, oh, I was flying low. And then the stories of, you know, I usually shit the bed in this particular situation when I go camping with the kids, but I rocked it this time. We had three days in the woods, and I didn't blow my stack a single time. And I had at least five excuses for blowing my stack, and I didn't for some reason because of what you taught me about changing the mission from um, uh, from being, we're going camping and we're going to be setting up and doing this and doing that. That wasn't my mission anymore. My mission was harmony. Because you taught me that, that my to just simply have a different mission when I'm doing these activities that usually go really, really poorly for me, I accomplished the right mission instead of uh, blowing my stack over the wrong mission going wrong. And I've preserved, I actually had, a. I didn't wreck the weekend. I didn't wreck the camping trip. Thank you. And that's the type of stuff that I work with people with. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. And you, what you're talking about is reprogramming our subconscious mind. So that's our subconscious mind overreacting to situations, giving people the finger, and that's conditioned responses. So we have to go back in and, mm -hmm. and reprogram those conditioned responses. And it takes a little bit of time. How did you get to where you are? Like, tell us a little bit about your story and what brought you into where you are now with the coaching. Tell us about what got you there. I have a history of failure and defeat and abuse right from the right out of the gate. Uh, some people say that uh, that can even start in utero. I was adopted at birth. And uh, for the first two weeks of my life, I am told, I was held by my biological mother every day. And then after two weeks of that bonding, I was pulled away from her. And after that bond was already made, and I was, I, and I was adopted by my parents. And they tell me that I screamed every night for months and just screamed because uh, that bond had been broken. And now I have these, th th this new bond that I'm supposed to, to make. And uh, so it started right out of the gate for me, uh, mm -hmm. the sense of, of abandonment and everything else that um, sticks with you. They say, oh, you forgot it because you're a baby. No, yeah, you actually don't. <laughs> you're somehow your your mind uh, or your body stores these things, and they affect you later on. And so it started for me right right out of the gate. And overall, uh, childhood was 
full of different traumas. I was molested by an older family member from the ages of seven to 12. That messes a person up. It totally throws off your perspective of right and wrong and social boundaries and what relationships with, with uh, those that you're close with should be and what's appropriate and what's not. Um, so it started with me right out of the gate. And then by the time I got to the army, I mean, I was just starting to get a little bit of self-esteem and then the army kind of destroyed whatever I, I had started to build. Uh, and I, it was only in grade 12 where I started to get a little bit of, wait a second, despite all these events, I think I am better than this. I deserve to be treated better than how I am being treated. So this person, I'm not hanging out with that person anymore because they treat me like crap. Why am I subjecting to this? I deserve a better friend than that. I'm not hanging out with that person anymore because they are freaking toxic. And then I started to find a bit of strength by being able to simply say no to giving my time to toxic people who want nothing to do but uh, tear me down. That was the beginning. And then in the army, they just tear you down. <laughs> but, and, uh, but luckily, I, I did have a true north. I had a couple of very close friends and, um, and I had a counterbalance when I started... Uh, in the army on the outside in my spare time uh, there was a cliff rescue team and the founder of that cliff rescue team there was just something about this fella and, and it shows it only takes one person in your life to turn everything around and he saw something in me he saw that I was and he would tell me that I was far more intelligent than what other people told me that I was. He says, oh, what I like about you, Mark, I just have to show you once and then you just got it. You know, and I'm like, I do? I, th I thought I was, had a, was a slow learner. It's like, no, you're such a fast learner. And, um, uh, and, th and then all of a sudden I'm on a cliff rescue team pulling people off mountains and I'm starting to think, this is kind of cool. And then I started teaching rock climbing and, and, and rigging and the ropes. And I just had a passion for it. So I learned it quite quickly. And it started, the confidence started to grow because I had a rare skill that other people simply didn't have. And other people thought was pretty freaking cool. Uh, and that developed into teaching RCMP earth teams, which is like a SWAT team. And I'm teaching them rope skills that, uh, and wait a second, I'm the instructor. I was like 22, 23 years old. And, and uh, a SWAT team is listening to me intently and doing everything I tell them to do. Weird. And it just kept developing and developing. And um, when I got out of the army, and uh, I still wasn't, I was saying, okay, there's some clues here that maybe I'm not a complete idiot. Maybe. So maybe there's something here. But as uh, my, my work life progressed and I, I started getting more clues that I'm not a complete fuck up, um, eventually I started to sail. When, once I was put into a good situation that fit me better, which was a sales pr uh, position for security systems, actually. And there's just something about it that uh, I was now in a groove that I was good at. And I shone for the first time. And I was the top guy on the whole team. And I'm not... I was used to being the the back of the line, not at the front of the line. All of a sudden, I'm the star. And my confidence started to grow. And then I was curious, well, how is this happening? And how did I not see it before? Like, what's going on here? So I started reading self-help books, one after another, after another, and after another. And I subscribed to dailyinbox.com. I don't know if it even ex um, exists anymore, but it would give you 
positive articles every day and I would read them, print them out and I'd put them in a binder that I still have somewhere every day and it would grow and grow until I realized I want to write a book about this, about this transformation that I'm going through. And then a couple of years um, uh, later, but I had the idea then for writing a book. A few years later, my, uh, my youngest is born. And uh, then a few months after, after he's born, we, we find out that there's a second one on the way. Then I had this incredibly powerful feeling of, oh my God, if I get hit by a bus, how am I going to raise my kids? How am I going to impart this transformation that I'm going through? How am I going to share all these lessons with my kids? So at three in the morning, one morning, I woke up with that aha, holy shit moment. And I knew I couldn't let it pass. I couldn't go back to sleep. I grabbed a stack of paper and a pen and I ran downstairs to the kitchen table and I started writing. And it was the first parable of, of the book, Why Not Me? The Keys to Unlock Your Power and Release Your Potential. Two years later, it was published. Three months after that, I won an international literary award for contributions to human potential. And then I thought, maybe I do have something to give. Pretty cool. That is how the, the confidence started to grow. And that book did quite well. And um, that is a book that when my kids were old enough to read, I did, wrote a uh, personalized uh, note in, uh, in two copies of them and gave one to each of my sons. Um, and my, my oldest boy was reading it everywhere he went. He was even reading at school and teachers and the students would be asking about that. And my dad wrote this bullshit, your dad. No, look same last name that's your dad oh yeah and there was parts of the book where he would come back and he would be in tears that he was so touched um by by what he was reading and um because he realized that it was really for him and it was for his brother that's why i did it but that was the evolution of how i got going and when i finally realized that despite all of this i had some very very serious issues i didn't know i had ptsd but it was because of writing this book that I thought I was doing for my children. As it turns out, in hindsight, what I can see is that's how I survived. While other friends of mine committed suicide or were absolutely insufferable alcoholics or substance abusers, while they were going through all of that or being homeless, I survived some very severe complex PTSD because I was focusing on writing that book because I was focusing on learning what are the constructive thoughts and behaviors, not the destructive ones. And somewhere my subconscious forced me to do that to survive. Somehow my mind, my soul, my spirit knew I had to focus on this to get through those years. And I was very, very fit back then, which is uh, really helps. It helps a lot. But that's how I survived. And uh, when my first marriage came apart, I came apart and, um, and, uh, and none of the tools were working anymore for a while, but I survived. So I guess they were working. It's the worst thing I've ever gone through in my life. But the tools, even at the lowest point, I had this beacon that going, this is a storm. This is a really bad storm, but every storm passes. And it was that one thing that I was hanging on to because it was a truth and I knew it was true. I knew it wasn't a bromide. It wasn't um, uh, some euphemism. It, it was true. Every storm passes. And as much as it hurt, I knew it would pass. 
And it did. And my life is better now than it ever was in 10 years of that marriage. It was a toxic relationship for, for both of us. It wasn't good for either of us. Once I got diagnosed with PTSD, a lot of things started to make sense. I'm like, oh, that's why. That's why my first marriage didn't have a hope in hell. It was this guy. I'm the asshole. Oh, all right. All right. I can, I can see this now. And once I started realizing that, I had to share it because I know the pain that I went through and I knew how unbearable it was. And I know what it's like to constantly fantasize about killing yourself by dying by suicide, to drive down the road and imagine yourself uh, just wishing you had the courage to, to drive into oncoming traffic or into a bridge abutment uh, or to open up my wrists or to hang from a rope. These are things that I would be plagued by and do nothing but think about all day, every day for sometimes weeks on end. And I know what that's like. And now that I'm not plagued with that, I know how good it feels to have that off my shoulders. And that's why Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. So people can hear me say things like what I just said and know that they're not the only ones. They're not alone. They're not crazy. They're suffering symptoms of, uh, of trauma injuries. And healing does happen. Wow, that's a powerful story, man. Now, you know, a really important thing I want to drive home is like, you know, it does pass. You know, what you were talking about, that storm, it does pass. And nowadays, there's so many resources. So there's like our podcast, our talk right here, your podcast, The Trauma Recovery Show, that all these different shows, these different books and resources that are out there, we don't have to do it alone. If you're suffering, if you feel like you want to drive into oncoming traffic or life is just falling apart and you're hopeless and helpless and you don't know where to start, reach out for help. I really want people to know that because for years, and I know you're in the same thing, both. It's like, why am I like this? Why is my life like this? And why am I, and I have to do this on my own. It's extraordinarily painful. And I look around at some people and it seems like they did it on their own, but most people, most successful people, those people that have conquered the world and done everything, they rarely do it on their own. No. If you're suffering and hurting, reach out for help. That's what I want people to understand. I want, I want you to know you don't ever have to be in that much pain, number one. And number two, you don't have to do it alone. For those that feel that they are alone and that there's nobody in their immediate life, well, that's what these shows are for. And you may not have ever met me. We may not have ever hung out face to face. But you can still connect with me and you can connect with Dennis and you can connect with uh, all these other resources, these people sharing their stories and you can connect with them. And the chances are, if there's nobody in your circle who's supportive, you're in the wrong circle. That's right. And the more room you make for the wrong people, the less room you're making for the right people. Mm. The rule of five, it is critical, especially with mental health. Uh, it, it's critical for everybody. But if all the feedback you get is negative, it's pulling, that's pulling you down, saying that you're less, saying that you're not enough, those people are not good for you and you may love them. They may be your relatives, they may be your spouse, may even be your children, but you cannot, you have to small dose them at the most. They have to be small dose people. They cannot be in your house and they cannot be in your life. They cannot, you cannot see these people every day. You can maybe see them once a year, max, max. 
the top five people that you spend the most time with, you break them down into categories, you analyze these top five people. So first write down, who are the five people that I spend the most time with, whether it be at work, whatever it be, write it down. Then write down their character traits in the metrics that matter to you, the type of person that you wanna be, whether it be finances, uh, attitude, kindness, altruism, what, whatever it is, write those down and grade them on a scale of one to 10 under each category. Do that for all five people. Sum up the scores. And then you're looking in a mirror because they are you. We are always a reflection of our environment, at least to a degree. And if you think, man, these people I'm hanging with, around with are real assholes. Uh-oh, guess what? So are you. Yeah, and stop hanging around with those people. And that's called it being an independent person not a codependent person. An independent person would be like, you know what? This isn't working out well, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or a family relationship, whatever it is, you know, this isn't working out well. I'll see you later. You know, and that that's just self-love. That's self-care. That's taking care of yourself. If you're hanging around with somebody, here's how I say this is when, when I hang around with somebody, when I leave, I should have more energy than when I came with. If every time I meet with somebody, I have less energy because they're sucking energy out of me, then I either, like you said, I either need to eliminate them from my life or drastically reduce the amount of time I'm spending with them. Because my goal is to be successful in body, mind, and spirit. And if they're, you know, cutting me down in any way or keeping me from hitting my goals, I don't have room for them anymore. And if you're scared of being alone and that's why you're not doing it, you won't be alone for long. And I promise you, being alone is way better than being with abusers and that's what they are they are your abusers and you chose them and you are opening the door for them you're inviting them into your life by returning their phone calls by hanging out at their house following them on facebook you are inviting your abusers if they are tearing you down you cannot communicate with them you can't i have fired one friend in particular that is always a standout we were in high school together we served in the army together. I stood for him at his wedding. I can't go anywhere near him. Anytime I talk to him, he's tearing me down, criticize, complain about me. Well, that hurts. I don't care how strong you think you are, how much of an individual you think you are. All of us are affected by the opinions of others. Like There is no magic firewall. The only thing you can do is make sure those are good opinions or at least indifferent, <laughs> you yeah. know? If it's not gonna be positive, at least not have it to be negative. And if you're alone for a while, that's okay. I promise you, you won't be alone for long. Yeah, You won't. Well said. You know, there's another aspect here, and because what we're saying is it is, it, is, it can be tough, especially if you're not used to the, these types of actions, like eliminating or reducing the amount of time that you spend with people in your life. The other thing you can do, and as coaches, this is what I, as a coach, I help teach people this stuff, but it's, you're, it's establishing healthy boundaries with consequences. Remember that, that, that with consequences, that's an important piece of that sentence. So I can establish boundaries. I can say, you know what, if I go to like my, my brothers or sisters or parents or friends, and every time I go over there, they're talking about politics and it drains my energy, I can say, you know, when I'm not around, when I'm around here, can we please not talk about politics? Otherwise, I, I'm not going to be able to hang around here. 
And then if I go back the next time and we sit around and talk about politics, I'm going to say, you know, I have to go, but thanks. Have a great day. You know, and then now those are the consequences. Now they're either going to not care that I left or they're going to change their behavior. So next time I come around, they won't talk about politics anymore. So you can train the people in your life to make you happy. That's basically what you're doing. And I've done this. Um, when my first marriage dissolved, I still spent, I would be picking up my kids absolutely every day so she can go to university. And, and it worked. She got to go to university. I got to see my kids every day. So I made my schedule with the little company that I had at the time. I just made my schedule work around it. I booked everything around my kids uh, and, and after school care. But that 10 minute window where we'd both be in the same house at the same time, uh, almost every time there'd be something critical or something that would just not feel very good to me. And, um, and one day I just said, you know, I'm going to leave. And she's like, what? I'm walking out. Cause you know, this is, this is a no go for me. And then I had the power. Huh? It's like, I'm not, I, look, I'm not going to argue and I'm not going to fire back. I'm just going to leave. See you later. You know, if you're going to talk to me like that, see you later. And then it happened again. And then it happened again. And then like the third or fourth time it happened, she started crying. She's like, what am I doing wrong? Why? Like, didn't understand A plus B equals C. She didn't understand the A part that I was reacting to her behavior. And, and she just didn't get it. Like, what's going on? Like, how am I chasing you out the door? But then she could physically see that I was being physically repelled. And I just, it's like, I, we're not together anymore. I don't have to st uh, be a punching bag. See ya. And you know what happened by the fifth time? She stopped doing it. Yeah, it works. It's called maturity and it's just called taking care of yourself. But you know, a lot of people don't have, and I didn't for, for quite a long time, have the ability to do that or even the awareness that that's what was going on. A lot of times we think we have to stay in that situation because of it's my family member or my friend or my spouse or whoever. And I, I have this obligation to stay there and take that type of treatment, but that's all bullshit. And once you realize that and get the tools to actually make those changes, then, uh, then you can make those changes and have, and have healthy relationships with everybody in your life. And eventually you only have healthy relationships, but awesome talk. This was our best talk yet. I think this is like our fourth talk. Well, we're going to have to do it again because we could probably talk forever. But, I think we probably could. Yes, I know. And I love it. So if people want to get in touch with Mark Mankey, how would we do that? If you Google Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast, I'm everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and all the major podcast platforms. Uh, most people listen to me on either Apple or Spotify, but my primary upload place is anchor.fm if you want to get the quickest updates. And we are over 75 episodes so far. Uh, we've got a few more in the hopper. And we're, we're rocking and rolling on this end and still getting mail that says, thank you, this has saved my life or my, and or my marriage. And um, yeah, check it out. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate your time, man. I had a great talk. Look forward to next time. Thank you, Dennis. And thanks everybody for tuning in to the Funky Brain Podcast. Have a beautiful day today and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. So you can't think your way into a new way of acting. You have to act your way into a new way of thinking and being. Hi, I'm Dennis Berry, best-selling author, speaker, and life coach for addiction recovery. So many people are stuck in their addiction, whether it's like drugs or alcohol or food or shopping or sex or money, and they think they could just stop or try to figure it out on their own, but they don't change anything in their lives. 
Nothing changes if nothing changes. In order for change to happen, you have to change something. My clients will be like, oh, I'll stop tomorrow, or if this happens, then I stop, or someday I'll just give it up. And then they just sit around and think, 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 and hope for different or better results, but it doesn't happen. You have to take action. Action most people aren't willing to take. People don't become willing until they're in enough pain, me included. And unfortunately, they wait, and they wait and time passes by. Even if you are willing, you don't even know where to begin. And that's where I come in. In my best-selling book, Funky Wisdom, A Practical Guide to Life, I talk about the how approach. How do I get sober? How do I stop doing drugs? How do I become healthier? How do I have more successful relationships? How do I become more financially successful? And the answer is how. Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. I have to honestly admit that there's a problem. I have to honestly admit that things aren't going well and there needs to be changes. And then once I do that, the door opens and I become open to seeing new ways of living. And then I become willing to make those changes. You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. That's why I'm here to help. And you know, I've been working with clients for over 15 years and helping them get clean and sober and change their lives and achieve inner peace and success. If you or somebody you love is struggling and doesn't know where to begin and how to make those changes to get to where they need to be, give me a call. Not tomorrow or in a week from now when you are hungover and your life is falling apart. Call now. Start making that change today and you'll be glad that you did. I'm sending you love and good vibes. Have a great day today.